Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. The Universal Dharma Door to the Inconceivable, or Manju Shri's Universal Dharma Door. Sutra 10 of the Maharatnakuta Sutra, the Great Jewel Heap. Thus have I heard. Once the Buddha was dwelling on the vulture's peak, Mount Gridrakuta, near Rajgriha, accompanied by 800 great monks and 42,000 bodhisattvas. At that time, Bodhisattva Undefiled Store descended from the sky, surrounded respectfully by 92,000 other Bodhisattvas. Then the World Honor One told the assembly, These Bodhisattvas were urged by Universal Flower Tathagata in the world called Every Pure Deed to come to this Saha world in order to hear and accept from me the Universal Dharma Door to the Inconceivable. Other bodhisattvas will also come to this assembly. As soon as the World Honor One had finished saying this, innumerable bodhisattvas came from this and other worlds and gathered on the vulture's peak. After prostrating themselves with their heads at the Buddha's feet, they withdrew and stood to one side. Then Bodhisattva Undefiled Store approached the Tathagata, bearing in his hand a thousand-petaled lotus flower made of the seven treasures. He bowed down with his head at the Buddha's feet and said, World Honored One, Universal Flower Tathagata in the world every pure deed, offers you this precious flower and asks me to convey to you his infinite good wishes. He inquires whether you are enjoying good health, freedom from afflictions, and ease and peace in life. After saying this, the Bodhisattva ascended in midair and sat there in the position of meditation. From among the assembly, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva Manjushri rose from his seat, bared his right shoulder, knelt on his right knee, joined his palms respectfully, and said to the Buddha, I remember that very long ago I heard Universal Lamplighter Buddha Dipankara preach the Universal Dharma Door to the Inconceivable. Right then I acquired 840 billion myriads of samadhis, and could also understand seventy-seven trillion myriads of samadhis more. World Honored One, may you, out of sympathy for the bodhisattvas, explain this doctrine to them. Thereupon the Buddha told Manjushri, Now listen attentively, and think well about this. I am going to explain it to you. Manjushri said, Yes, World Honored One, we shall gladly listen. The Buddha said, if a bodhisattva wishes to learn this doctrine, he should cultivate these samadhis. The characteristic of form samadhi, the characteristic of sound samadhi, the characteristic of smell samadhi, the characteristic of taste samadhi, the characteristic of touch samadhi, the characteristic of thought samadhi, the characteristic of a woman samadhi, the characteristic of a man samadhi, the characteristic of a boy samadhi, the characteristic of a girl samadhi, the characteristic of a deva samadhi, the characteristic of a naga samadhi, the characteristic of a yaksha samadhi, the characteristic of a gandharava samadhi, 
the characteristic of an Asura Samadhi, the characteristic of a Garuda Samadhi, the characteristic of a Kimnara Samadhi, the characteristic of a Maharaga Samadhi, the characteristic of a Helldweller Samadhi, the characteristic of an Animal Samadhi, the characteristic of Yama Samadhi, the characteristic of Desire Samadhi, the characteristic of Hatred Samadhi, the characteristic of Delusion Samadhi. The unwholesome Dharma Samadhi, the wholesome Dharma Samadhi, the conditioned Dharma Samadhi, and the unconditioned Dharma Samadhi. Manjushri, if a Bodhisattva realizes all of these Samadhis, he has already learned this doctrine. First, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of form Samadhi? The World Honored One explained in verse. Consider form to be just like foam, devoid of substance and thus impossible to grasp. This is called the characteristic of form samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of sound samadhi? The World Honored One explained in verse, Regard sound as an echo in a valley, inapprehensible by nature. All dharmas are like that free of essence and difference. To know them all to be quiescent is called the characteristic of sound samadhi. Furthermore, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of sense samadhi? The World Honored One explained in verse, Just as the ocean insatiably engulfs all rivers, so one can smell various scents constantly, even for hundreds of thousands of kalpas. If the scents were real, one would soon have one's fill. Yet because they are mere arbitrary names, they have no reality to be grasped. Just as sense cannot be grasped, the nose too has no existence. To know them all as empty and quiescent by nature is called the characteristic of scent samadhi. Moreover, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of taste samadhi? The World Honor One explained in verse. All that is tasted by the tongue, whether salty, sour, or of some other taste, arises from dependent origination, and by nature does not exist. To know that flavors arise from a combination of causes and conditions is to know the inconceivable. This is called the characteristic of taste samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of touch samadhi? The World Honored One explained in verse, Touch is nothing but a name, inapprehensible by nature. Softness, smoothness, and all other textures arise from dependent origination. To comprehend that touch arises from the combination of causes and conditions and cannot ultimately be found is called the characteristic of touch samadhi. Furthermore, Magistri, what is the object of the mind's samadhi? The World Honored One explained in verse, Even if, in the billion-world universe, all the countless sentient beings assembled and together sought out the objects of the mind, they could not find them. Mental objects are not inside or outside, nor can they be gathered together. They are merely varieties of verbal phenomena, fabrications of arbitrary names. They are illusory, like magic, ever-fleeting, they remain nowhere. 
to know that they are empty by nature is called the object of mind samadhi. Moreover, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of a woman's samadhi? The world on one explained in verse. A woman has no real existence. She is a mere assemblage of the four elements. However, ordinary men, their minds confuse, believe her to be real. A woman is illusory, like magic. This fools cannot understand. Deceived by the sight of her, they engender attachment in their hearts. Like a person magically produced, a woman has no reality. Yet in delusion, ignorant men grow desirous of her. To know perfectly that women have no self-entity and are quiescent by nature is called the characteristic of a woman's samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of a man's samadhi? The world on one explained in verse. Men consider themselves to be men, and other humans to be women. Because of their discrimination, lust is aroused within them. However, from the beginning, a lustful mind has never been. No sign of such a mind can be found. By delusive discrimination, one thinks of a physical form as a male. I say it is in fact not a man, but a thing like magic, like a mirage. To know that man is quiescent by nature is called the characteristic of a man's samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of a deva samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse, Those who have pure faith and an abundance of good karmas will be born with bodies of special beauty to enjoy superb rewards in heaven. Precious gems and palaces appear without work or effort. Exquisite flowers of the coral tree bloom, though no one plants them. All such inconceivable events occur as a result of karmic power, just as myriad forms are reflected in a piece of clear lapis lazuli. The gods' wonderful bodies, palaces, and other things all arise from delusion. This realization is called the characteristic of a deva samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of an animal samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse. Though clouds differ in hue and shape, they have no substance. However, they delude and confuse the ignorant. Just as the clouds in the sky have different colors and shapes, so sentient beings appear in various forms as animals. If one knows that karma is illusory, he will be free of delusion. To know that animals are intrinsically quiescent by nature is the characteristic of an animal samadhi. Furthermore, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of desire samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse. Desire is a mere figment of discrimination, which cannot be found. It does not arise, does not appear, and has no abode. By nature, desire is like empty space, divorced from anything established. Because of false discrimination, though, the defilement of desire plagues the ignorant. The nature of all dharmas is not defiled. It is pure, like empty space. Even if one searches for it throughout the ten directions, no trace of it can be found. One who knows not this emptiness is terrified to meet desire. He fears when there is nothing to fear. How can he ever have peace and joy? A fool may be afraid of empty space and flee from it in terror. How can one escape from space 
when space is everywhere. The ignorant, being deluded, wrongfully discriminate. Desire is intrinsically unreal, yet they try to renounce it. Their efforts are as vain as the attempt to elude empty space. Every dharma in its nature is unattainable, like nirvana. Buddhas of the past, present, and future all realize the natural emptiness of desire. Secure in this realization, they never part from it. Although those who fear desire rack their brains seeking liberation from it, it remains forever intrinsically pure. When I attained enlightenment, I realized that all things are equal. Some maintain that desire is real and that it should be abandoned. The view that desire should be renounced arises from false discrimination. There is, in truth, no abandoning. It is only the function of a discriminative mind. Desire is inapprehensible by nature, so it cannot be extinguished or destroyed. In undifferentiated reality, there is neither liberation nor discrimination. If one could be liberated from desire, one could also be liberated from empty space. Empty space and desire are boundless and not different. If one sees any difference, I tell him to forsake discrimination. In truth, desire never arises. One perceives it because of delusion. Desire is empty by nature. It is but an arbitrary name. One should not engender attachment because of such a name. To realize that desire is free of impurity is to realize ultimate emptiness. Liberation is not reached through the destruction of desire. Desire and the Buddha Dharma are equal. This realization is nirvana. The wise should know to enter the realm of utter quiescence by realizing the quiescence of desire is called the characteristic of desire samadhi. Moreover, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of hatred samadhi? The world honored one explained in verse. Hatred originates from delusion. One clings to the I when there is no I. Thus, when he hears malicious words, intense hatred arises which is like a vicious poison. The malicious words, and hatred too, ultimately cannot be found. To start a fire by boring wood, many conditions must be fulfilled. No fire can possibly ignite if these required conditions are not met. Likewise, speech unpleasant to the ear ultimately cannot be found. If speech is known to be empty by nature, no hatred will arise again. Hatred is not in speech nor does it dwell in the body. It is a product of many causes and conditions, without which it can never come to be. Just as butter and cheese are made by a combination of milk and other agents, so hatred in itself is unborn, though harsh speech makes it seem as if to arise. Fools cannot understand this, so they ignite with the heat of anger. This one should know. Ultimately, nothing can be found. Hatred is by nature quiescence. It is but another arbitrary name. Hatred is reality itself. Because of suchness it arises. Knowing hatred to be the Dharmadhatu is called the characteristic of hatred samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the characteristic of ignorance samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse. Ignorance is empty by nature. It has never by itself arisen. There is not a single dharma that can be called ignorance. Ordinary people wrongfully conceive of ignorance, while there is no ignorance. 
They are attached while there is nothing to be attached to. It is as if they are trying to tie empty space into a knot. Strange indeed are those fools. They do what they should not do. There are no dharmas, yet they discriminate, and thus engender myriad defilements. If one attempts to take up parts of space and put them together in a certain place, he will never complete the task, even in a million kalpas. For innumerable kalpas since the beginning fools have amassed knots of ignorance, yet truly their ignorance has not increased a single iota. Just as one who tries to move empty space can never alter its magnitude, so one can never increase ignorance, though he may amass it for many kalpas. Just as a bellow takes in an endless amount of air, so the ignorant attach themselves insatiably to sensuous pleasures. However, ignorance is nowhere, with neither a root nor abode. Since it has no root, how can it have an end? Since it has no end, its bounds cannot be found. For this reason, I can never finish liberating sentient beings. Even if in one day I delivered all the beings in a billion-world universe, causing them all to realize nirvana, and for innumerable kalpas I did the same thing every day, the realm of sentient beings cannot be exhausted. The realms of ignorance and of beings are both signless and illusory like magic, so they cannot be exhausted. Ignorance and Buddhahood are not different, but are equal by nature. If one discriminates a Buddha, then he dwells in delusion. Ignorance and all-knowing wisdom are both empty of self-entity. Sentient beings and ignorance are entirely equal. Inconceivable are sentient beings. Inconceivable, too, is ignorance. Since both are inconceivable, how can a distinction be made between them? This mind of thought cannot be measured or conceived of. Immeasurable, too, is ignorance, for it is boundless. Since it has no bounds, how can it arise? It arises not in its self-nature, and no sign of it can be found. Realizing that ignorance is signless, one regards the Buddha in the same way. It should thus be known that all dharmas are non-dual. Ignorance is, from the beginning, still and quiescent. It is but an arbitrary name. When I realized enlightenment, I understood it as equal to ignorance. To be able to contemplate thus is called the characteristic of ignorance samadhi. Furthermore, Manjushri, what is the unwholesome dharma samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse, All the manifestations of desire, hatred, ignorance, and all the other defilements are illusory and unreal. To have this insight is called the unwholesome dharma samadhi. Moreover, Manjushri, what is the wholesome dharma samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse, All of you should know that those with good will, though different in disposition, are the same indeed, for they are all detached, and know all dharmas to be quiescent in nature. This insight is called the wholesome dharma samadhi. The Buddha continued, Manjushri, what is the conditioned dharma samadhi? The world-honored one explained in verse, all of you should know that no conditioned dharma is created by anyone or can be measured. I see that phenomena by nature cannot accumulate and that everything is quiescent. This insight is called the conditioned dharma samadhi. 
Finally, Manjushri, what is the unconditioned Dharma Samadhi? The World Honored One explained in verse. Unconditioned Dharmas are quiescent by nature. There is nothing to cling to and nothing to renounce. They are but artificial names uttered for clinging sentient beings. To reach such a realization is called the unconditioned Dharma Samadhi. Then Bodhisattva Manjushri said to the Buddha, May the world-honored one teach the Bodhisattvas the names of the other Samadhis, so that their sense organs may become keen and sound, that they may acquire the wisdom to comprehend all dharmas, and to become invincible to those with wrong views, that they may realize and achieve the four kinds of unhindered eloquence, that they can master many languages by knowledge of one particular language, and one particular language by knowledge of many languages, that they may teach the essence of the Dharma to sentient beings, and do so skillfully and with boundless eloquence, that they may achieve the realization of the profound Dharma, and that they may understand in an instant all actions as well as the infinite forms and varieties of each of them. The Buddha said to Manjushri, There is a samadhi named boundless freedom from defilements. A bodhisattva who attains it can appear in all kinds of pure forms. There is a samadhi named awesome visage. A bodhisattva who attains it will have an awesome light outshining the sun and moon. There is a samadhi named flaming light. A bodhisattva who attains it can outshine the awe-inspiring lights of all Indras and Brahma gods. There is a samadhi named renunciation. A bodhisattva who attains it can cause sentient beings to rid themselves of desire, hatred, and ignorance. There is a samadhi named unhindered light. A bodhisattva who attains it can illuminate all Buddha lands. There is a samadhi named unforgetting. A bodhisattva who attains it can hold in mind the teachings of all Buddhas and expound them to others. There is a samadhi named thundering voice. A bodhisattva who attains it can speak well in all languages and tones, including those of the Brahma heaven. There is a samadhi named joy. A bodhisattva who attains it can fill sentient beings with great joy. There is a samadhi named insatiable delight. People will not be tired of seeing or hearing a bodhisattva who attains it. There is a samadhi named inconceivable merits of concentration on a single object. A bodhisattva who attains it can perform all miraculous feats. There is a samadhi named understanding the languages of all sentient beings. A bodhisattva who attains it can speak all languages with proficiency, can express all words in one word, and can understand that all words are one word. There is a samadhi named Supreme Dharani. A bodhisattva who attains it can thoroughly understand all dharanis. There is a samadhi named Adornments of All Eloquence. A bodhisattva who attains it will be well-versed in all written languages. There is a samadhi named Accumulation of All Wholesome Dharmas. A bodhisattva who attains it can cause sentient beings to hear the teachings of the Buddha Dharma and Sangha, of the Shravakas, Pratekibhutas, and Bodhisattvas, and of the Paramitas. When he abides in this samadhi, he can cause sentient beings to hear these teachings continuously. Then Manjushri said to the Buddha, World-honored one, please bless me and help me to obtain unimpeded eloquence to proclaim the superb merits of this Dharma door. The Buddha said, Excellent, your wish is granted. Manjushri said to the Buddha, It should be known that if a bodhisattva accepts, practices, reads, and recites this Dharma door without doubt, he will definitely acquire in his present life four kinds of eloquence, namely, ready eloquence, 
great eloquence, profound eloquence, and inexhaustible eloquence. He will always remember to protect sentient beings, and by enlightening them, will thwart those who intend to destroy the devotee's dharma practice. Thereupon the world-honored one praised Bodhisattva Manjushri, saying, Excellent, excellent! You understand this doctrine very well. Just as those who give will surely gain immense wealth, and as precept-keepers will be reborn in heaven, so those who accept and practice this sutra will unquestionably achieve eloquence in this life. Just as sunlight can surely dispel all darkness, and as a bodhisattva will surely attain supreme enlightenment when he sits on the bodhisattva seat, so those who accept, practice, read, and recite the sutra will achieve eloquence in this life without fail. Manjushri, he who wishes to seek eloquence in this life, should believe in, rejoice at, accept, practice, read, and recite this sutra, and explain it to others without entertaining any doubts. Then Bodhisattva Undefiled Store said to the Buddha, World Honor One, after the final nirvana of the Buddha, if any Bodhisattva, free of doubt, accepts, practices, reads, and recites this Dharma door and explains it to others, I will hold him in my embrace and enhance his eloquence. At that time, Papian, the celestial demon Mara, was stricken with worry and grief. With tears in his eyes, he came to the Buddha and said, When the Tathagata was attaining supreme enlightenment in the past, I writhed in worry and agony. Now your preaching of this Dharma door redoubles my pain, and I feel as if I have been shot by poisonous arrows. Sentient beings who hear this sutra will definitely not regress from their pursuit of supreme enlightenment and will eventually enter final nirvana. This will certainly reduce my kingdom to naught. The Tathagata, the worthy one, the supremely enlightened one, can give peace and happiness to all living beings in distress. May the Tathagata be so kind and compassionate as to not bless this sutra and thus give me peace and security and eliminate all my worry and pain. The world honor one told Papian, Do not worry, I shall not bless this sutra, nor will sentient beings enter final nirvana. Hearing this, Papian, the celestial demon Mara, danced with joy. All his worries and sorrow vanished. He suddenly disappeared from the presence of the Buddha. Then Bodhisattva Manjushri approached the Buddha and asked, what was the Tathagata's implicit intention just now in telling Papian, the celestial demon, I shall not bless this dharma? The Buddha answered, Manjushri, I bless this dharma by not blessing it. Thus I told him that. Because all dharmas are equal in reality, return to suchness, are identical with the dharma datu, defy speech and transcend duality, there is no blessing. Because I speak the truth and not falsehood, this sutra will prevail widely in the world. After the world honored one had said this, he told Ananda, This sutra is named the universal dharma door to the inconceivable. Accepting and practicing this sutra is not different from accepting and practicing the 84,000 other dharma doors. Why? Because it was only after I became conversant with it that I was able to expound the 84,000 dharma doors to all living beings. Therefore, Ananda, you should carefully protect and uphold this sutra, and read, recite, and circulate it so that it may not be forgotten or lost. When the Buddha had spoken this sutra, Bodhisattva Manjushri, Bodhisattva Undefiled Store, 
Venerable Ananda, humans, devas, asuras, gandharavas, and all others were all jubilant over the Buddha's teaching. They accepted it with faith and began to practice it with veneration. <laughs> 